Hello everyone, welcome to the last episode of Duel of the Takes. I'm Nate. I I'm Josh. I'm Alden. And today we are going to be ranking the, uh, I guess, top six Edgar Wright movies. Films that he has written and directed. Uh, yeah. I think we're all fans of Edgar Wright. Always enjoyed his work. This is uh, only six movies on the list. Yeah. We just got done literally an hour ago seeing uh, the newest film. Last Night in Soho, which opened this weekend uh, as of recording, Halloween uh, weekend. Yeah, we're celebrating Halloween today. Yep. Uh, the... I'm Rick Flag. I'm a pirate. I'm Mermaid Man. <laughs> uh, let me uh, open up my list here, because, uh, yeah, I made it on the train. Who's uh, who's kicking things off? You know what? Are we all going to say it at the same time? <laughs> we could. <laughs> Fuck it. All right, everyone. <laughs> We're going to count down three, two, one, and we're going to say what movie we have in that spot. There will be no vetoes. It'll be just full-on debate. Oh, man. Here we go. Josh, you, you did this to yourself. <laughs> what is everyone's number six? Ready? Three, two, one. Last, Last night, night in Soho. Soho. All right. So, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to say I'm disappointed. I thought the movie was pretty entertaining. Uh, I, I liked certain elements of it, but it also... It's the only one of his movies that doesn't have a breakneck speed in terms of moving from character introductions to introducing the setting, and it, it felt like an hour longer than it needed to be, uh, and also a little cheaper in the production value department than his last two outings. I feel like one thing that I really like about some of the other movies that are near the top of this list is how Edgar Wright has managed to, uh, I guess, have a, a better and bigger production value with each every m movie, and this to me felt like well, a giant step back. Although I will say, the cinematography, the editing, beautiful, sound design was great, but uh, I just felt like the story wasn't really all there. It could have been just condensed, I think. I think it's paced like so slow, and like, I mean, We'll probably talk about it later, but we praise Dune uh, so much, and that's a slow-paced movie. I don't think slow pace always mean, means a bad thing. Right. But I think in this case, especially what Edgar Wright is known for, I think it's fine when directors try something different, but this just didn't work for me. And I just found the story, the twist, kind of predictable. I, I didn't think it was written all that like interesting. The cinematography, like you said, is really good. But yeah, it's it's for me when it comes to this movie, it's last. I think it's a good movie, but it's yeah. all like surface level. I'm not. I don't think I'm gonna find like a love for this like years down the line, like I've had for these other films. That's true. I mean, I think thematically, this one's certainly a lot darker than like other movies he's done. The dude's known for comedies. This is certainly not really a comedy. I mean, there's a couple of funny moments, but it's not. It's not portrayed tonally as a, a comedy. Yeah. And, yeah, I didn't find myself really liking too many of the characters. Uh, there's not really one to kind of ground you to the world that you're in. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was very British. Very British. It was British. very British. Yeah, a lot of London humor. I guess London's a shithole. Who would have known? Who would have <laughs> been there. Alden, what are your thoughts on Last Night in Soho? Why is it number six for you? You seem to like it more than us. <laughs> I didn't actually say it. I, oh, uh, I said oh. a different movie, but... Oh, what'd you say? The World's End. Oh. Oh. I could I could have this debate. I don't know how much I get to bait uh, Last Night in Soho up. I, I think it has absolutely no uh, Edgar Wright mannerisms in it at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. I feel like even if he was branching further away from what he's done, like at least keep your character which is i mean like 
even if it doesn't have the Edgar Wright isms that for directors, that still doesn't mean like the movie like is bad per se. Like we talked about with Nolan with Insomnia, there's no really Nolan isms in that movie, but it's yeah. also not a bad movie at the same time. Right. Yeah, but this also doesn't feel like it was written by someone else. This doesn't yeah. feel like it was made by someone else. like that. Insomnia was more or less a studio Hollywood remake of a foreign movie that was already done. And yeah. It just latched a director onto it. This, to me, feels like uh, a director experimenting with things, wanting to, you know, break from the, the mold of what they're used to doing. And I don't think The World's End is that at all. Uh, you know, it's technically, the I guess, the third movie in the Cornetto trilogy, which is, I think, funny, because it's the two main actors are the same. The writer and the director is the same. But the movies are all different. They're yeah. all different tone. They, they're all a different flavor of maybe the same story. And that's where, the I think, the nickname comes from for there. But... Yeah, The World's End is my least favorite of the three of those. Um, I, yeah. It just feels very middle-aged in a way. And, like, I, I just... I, I don't know. I don't I don't really relate with the characters that much yet. We're getting there. But <laughs> yeah, maybe I in love seven the, years. I love The World's End. Uh, it's very high on my list. I, I think it's, like, Edgar Wright's, like, secret Kino. Sure. But uh, that's just me. All right, well... I, how do you think last night in Soho is secret Kino? Okay, <laughs> it's not. And it sounds like here at number six, we're gonna have the last night in Soho. All right, you guys ready for this chaoticness? We're doing number five now. Three, two, one. This is where I have the world's end. Yeah, this is where I have baby it too. driver. Whoa! <laughs> I, like I said I was gonna cause chaos this episode. All right, so we got Baby Driver versus The World's End here. Let's hear the take for Baby Driver. I kept so quiet about this. I think Baby Driver is one of the most overrated film bro movies in the past 10 years. I don't really like this movie, and I think it's kind of been overhyped to shit. I saw it in the theater. I was excited for it. Um, I think it's fine. Like, it's, it's a good movie, but... Drive's just better. I know there's, like, the comparisons, but Drive is just so much better than this fucking movie. Well, I think what Baby Driver does really well is it blends, like, uh, the elements of a musical and an action movie in a way that makes sense for American audiences. To me, Baby Driver feels like Edgar Wright's first American movie, in a mm -hmm. way. Because very much the other uh, his other movies are all set in, like, London or in England or somewhere else. This is set in Atlanta. It has an all, like... I think there's parts in the movie I really like, but yeah. I don't know. The whole, like, uh, spoilers for all these movies, but the whole, like, the John Hamm stuff at the end, like, the movie just, just kept fucking going for me. And I was just like, I don't know. I, I think the movie shits its pants a little bit towards the end. I do think that the third act is probably the weakest part of the movie, but I, I can't... Like, a, a weak ending to a great movie doesn't really hurt it as bad for me as a movie that... I mean, in the counterpoint of The World's End, I guess that that ending is pretty strong for the rest of that, that movie. Um, but, like, the whole the whole premise is just, like... It's, it feels non-consequential, non which I guess is probably the point. I mean, The World's Ending and all mm -hmm. these guys want to do is go on a, a pub crawl. Like, yeah. I... I we, we all lived that last year. Like, we, we know what that's like. Um, but to me, Baby Driver feels like a major Hollywood blockbuster that also happens to be 
entirely edited and choreographed to a, a fantastic soundtrack and a very diverse soundtrack too. It's not like this movie where it's uh, Last Night in Soho where you get just, you know, just random music. 15 songs from the 60s and that's the movie. This is all over yeah. the place. It, it goes all the way back from the, the 50s through the early 2010s with its soundtrack and it pulls a lot of influence. I, Baby Driver to me really works because I think it's a simple story and it, it doesn't get convoluted until the very end. Whereas The World's End is a simple story and stays a simple story. Yeah, I, that's that's what I like about it. It's hard to debate these two movies, and they're both in yeah. different eras of Edgar Wright, too. Well, they came out back-to-back, four yeah. years apart. Yeah, but, yeah, it's just... I don't know, The World's End to me is like... Yeah, it's simple, but I, I just think it executes it like so flawlessly to me, and I, I love the cast and mm-hmm. the, the visuals and... Just the whole idea of that, I think, is just extremely creative, even though it is so simple. Yeah. Uh, he took, like, I don't know. He took such a simple thing and made it, like, such a great movie. And, like, I don't want to knock on Baby Driver too much. I think, like Last Night in Soho, I think it's got great cinematography. Um, yeah, the like you said, the music and stuff is good, but I, I don't know. I just think it's really overrated. I get it. I, I get why it's perceived as overrated. You could see it in like a Knives Out type scenario. But yeah. for me, I mean, I, I enjoyed seeing that movie. And it was mostly just like an entertainment value. Like, the story's simple. It's just like Drive. It's a simple-ass story. Yeah. And it's not hard to follow. But uh, I think the visuals were, were really cool. The fact that everything is synced up and, and synchronized. I. We're seeing a, like a rise of this in fucking trailers now. Every single yeah. trailer ever since Baby Driver has come out is like, oh, we need a section where it, we have all the cuts to uh, you know a breakdown from the drum beat of the song and stuff like that. And I don't know. I, I think uh, it, I think it's very influential on on other films. I think debating these screen movies is tough. So can I put in a different movie to throw into the pool? Sure. What do you if think we, would if be we better? Both feel at very five? strongly about these two movies because I'm guessing Baby Driver is Alden's number one because it was in his top twenty of all time. How about Scott Pilgrim here? If we're gonna talk about movies that are a little overrated, I'd rather see Scott Pilgrim here than Baby Driver, for sure. Um, <laughs> Look, I agree, but I don't think either of those are at this level. So we gotta bully Josh into the world's end. <laughs> I guess. Um, what's your favorite scene in the world's end? Because mine's in the first five minutes. <laughs> uh, the bathroom scene. Okay. Yeah. I just <laughs> I think that bathroom scene's really, really set up really funny. I'm trying to think of like visual gags that are solely unique to the world's end. Um, cause like, I, I think it has that same kind of kinetic editing style as Hot Fuzz, but the yeah. same kind of, um. I don't know. Like, just... I also love like the cast. Like, I believe these guys were all like old friends before, and I like that some of them like still see each other. Or you got the one that's like he's kind of got his regular job and stuff and doesn't really like talk to them. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. And I feel like this movie will just get better as I get older. Like you said before, I think we'll start relating to that more and more as like our friend groups uh, get older in life. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like every How do I relate in Baby Driver. Uh, John Hamm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it just comes down to what you prefer in watching a movie like that. 
I mean, if we want to talk about Scott Pilgrim, I think that that's actually a good point. Is who am I supposed to relate to in Scott Pilgrim? Because yeah, you, you Scott think, Pilgrim himself is kind of a dick. Well, that's the whole point. Yeah, you know, and and I I don't think that that movie really it, it has the the visual presentation and the flair of something like a Baby Driver. Yeah, uh, you know, it's super stylized. It looks like some scenes are in comic books, some scenes are in video games. It has this kinetic very unique editing style that hasn't really been replicated since uh and i think that that element of it elevates it for me over some like the world's end it could be directed by anyone else i don't think it would be as good i don't think it would be that like i don't think it would i think the fact that edgar wright is on that movie makes it better but i don't think anyone else could do a movie i feel like you could like say baby the same driver. for like baby driver who else could direct a movie like baby driver Probably and make James that Gunn. work Sure, maybe. Maybe James Gunn. Yeah. But I don't think everything would be a musical. Like, I don't think it would be... I don't think the world's end would be as funny if somebody else directed it. I don't... It. Yeah, I agree yeah. there. But, yeah, I don't know. I just feel like there's nothing really about the the presentation of the world's end that makes it iconic to Edgar Wright. I think thematically it does. Like, I think the characters, yeah. the acting, the way the story goes, it's about friendships, it's about... You know, relationships with people that, you know, I think it makes a lot years. of sense to have the third movie in this, like, unofficial trilogy to be about friendships, because now yeah. this cast and director has worked with each other for three movies now, and it kind of felt like an end of an era, while Edgar Wright goes on to do bigger things. Alden, <laughs> how do you feel about Scott Pilgrim versus the world being placed at number five? That seems like a spot or two too early. I'm not, like, that offended at it, but... I don't know. I just I don't get the same enjoyment out of uh, the world's end that I do. The other two. I think Scott Pilgrim has a lot of fun visuals. Um, it has um, the dog agrees with me that like it. It has like it's 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 a, like a video game movie, but it's not officially like based on a video game or anything. But it takes elements of that in its in its visuals, and I like the the whole like when he the one up thing or when he's taking a piss you see the piss meter there's a lot of creative uh, visuals yeah. mm-hmm. in Scott Pilgrim versus the world i think where it lacks is kind of in kind of in its story like it ends i guess fine but you don't there's no like redemption for Scott Pilgrim i think i think it sets up a lot of interesting characters and a lot of interesting things but then doesn't really like elaborate on them yeah. or or give them enough screen time to warrant like an arc like i like meeting all these exes like yeah. that that part yeah. of the movie is cool and i get that it's supposed to be like a like a triumph of a hero defeating yeah. all these exes the, but the cast like like compared to like where all these actors are is kind of interesting too cuz this is a Right before Captain America, Chris Evans. Uh, right before Pitch Perfect, Anna Kendrick. Um, I'm definitely missing more people. Audrey Plaza's Aud- in it. Audrey Plaza's in it. I think she was in Parks and Rec around this time. Mm-hmm. The the cast ended up being a lot of actors that really um, took off. In took the off in the decade, 2010s. Yeah, yeah. this came out in what 2011, so it's right in the beginning of the decade. Yeah. All right. Well, if I have to place a vote here the world's end yeah same for me i'm sorry josh getting cooked all right well do we want to say what we have at number four now yeah or or your next lowest movie i guess three two one scott pilgrim scott Scott pilgrim scott pilgrim or baby driver but scott pilgrim (laughs) which one do you like more 
Scott Pilgrim. You like Scott Pilgrim more yeah. than Baby Driver? But, but I, I think, think that this both, is probably right. where the fight is. I think they're both uh, on the overrated side, and I think that's why they're low on my list. Yeah. And I think it I think it all comes down to just... I make, The list is so short, and I don't think any of these movies are particularly pieces of shit or anything. No, I think these are all great movies. Yeah. yeah. I think it, it came down to just, like, what I like uh-huh. more. And, like, I don't know, maybe it's just I'm not a gamer anymore, and that's why Scott Pilgrim's lower on my list now. Yeah. I mean, I personally like the presentation of Baby Driver more. I think that the cast has more to do. There's less characters, but there's still this, like... This feeling of like, oh, this Kev- the Kevin Spacey character has like arranged all these different chess pieces to to execute these heists, yeah. and so like y- you get uh, a taste of you know one team that went that goes bad, baby's the only member that stays. You get that that same feeling with John Bernthal's character who just disappears from the movie. Uh, you get that same element with uh, you know Jamie Fox and and uh, John Hamm being in the mix. And I think the why I don't mind the the third act the way that it's presented is John Hamm is a character that's clearly motivated by two things having a hot girlfriend and cocaine and you take both those things away from him it, he's it gonna just, kill you it just felt like a Pixar third act villain to me I was just like well I liked it because there wasn't like a motivation or a twist it was he was always a bad dude yeah. baby crossed him and now he's gonna kill him but I feel like it yeah. was set up for like Jamie Fox to have that climax and then but, he just kind of like then his character just kind of like dies and I'm like oh the movie's we're just gonna keep going. Isn't that the red herring? Yeah, I don't think there would have been a like good motivation for his character to do that. I, I think it's just because I just like Jamie Foxx's character so more, much more than yeah. John Hams. I'm just like I don't care. That's fair. That's fair. But I feel like in uh, it, it, on the contrast here, since I think it's between these two and Scott Pilgrim. I think the most interesting parts the beginning, seeing what like a everyday yeah. life looks like for Sex Bob Om and and you know him meeting Ramona Flowers, wanting to fall into this challenge, then the movie really takes off. But like in terms of things that I'm grounded to, you don't have the one Culkin brother that's in the movie anymore. He's pretty much gone. Then it's all these... It, it's just... I don't know. I I like I like the movie a lot, but I, I think its visuals and its presentation are stronger than its story in a way that is just like... It's not something I want to stick around or rewatch multiple times. Every other movie on this list I've seen like five times. I've seen Scott Pilgrim twice. I think I've seen Scott Pilgrim the most on this list. Wow. I know you guys went and saw it in theaters. Yeah, which was really cool. It was yeah. a lot of yeah. fun. Uh, there, I rewatched it. I had to, for some reason, on Discord with some people. And <laughs> the remaster that they did for some of the music was better. Yeah. All right, well, let's put it to a vote. Baby Driver or uh, Scott Pilgrim here? What do you guys think belongs here? I'll vote Baby Driver unless a miracle happens. I I think Scott Pilgrim is below Baby Driver. I think Scott Pilgrim definitely belongs here, too. I don't think it belongs here. just think it's below Baby Driver. (laughs) This is exactly where I had Scott Pilgrim, so... Now we're in the top three, the top half of this top six. Uh... (laughs) The three movies we have left are in order of release are Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and Baby Driver. So uh, what do we all think belongs here at number three? Baby Driver again? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's not going to get that much higher. Shaun of the Dead is on Quentin Tarantino's top 20 movies of the past, like, decade or, or the decade. What year did Shaun of the Dead come out? 2006. Yeah, I think he said the past 20 years, 15 years. For me... It's Shaun of the Dead. Um, I like this movie a lot. 
and very similarly to some of the other movies on this list, I feel like it starts strong. I love like how we see Sean kind of operate through a day in the life of the zombie apocalypse, not knowing he's surrounded by zombies. Yeah, it's very funny, and that same kind of tone carries itself through the movie, even in its scare scariest moments. It's more or less about friendship. It's more or less about you know trying to secure your family and and your in the your found family at the end of the world. And I feel like more or less that's what the world's end is about too. And I think Sean Dead just it knocks it out of the park. In a, in a bigger and better way, in my opinion. I, I think it, it, it has the uh, the hook of, like, oh, what if, like, a zombie outbreak happened, but then keeps this tone of a buddy comedy through and through. I think it's a very influential movie. Like, the way, like, Edgar Wright, like, sets up the dialogue in that movie in some sequences. I know Guy Ritchie has been doing that for a long time, but I feel like Edgar Wright just nails it. I, I think it's also, I mean, it's his first directorial feature film that yeah. he also wrote. It screams Britain. Yeah. Like, I guess that's, that's definitely something you can't ignore when it comes to Edgar Wright movies. And for me, it, it isn't necessarily a bad thing in this one. I think it, I think it really it negatively impacts like last night in Soho, where it's like this is almost hard to relate to, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it's it's unforgiven, like unforgivably British. Um, but I, I like Shaun of the Dead a lot, and it's one that I think has staying power in like cultural relevancy, just because of the zombie trend that happened like shortly thereafter. Yeah. Probably relaunched by Twenty Eight Days Later, which was a little bit before, but. Yeah, it came out at the exact right time yeah. because the zombie genre wasn't so oversaturated like it was like years later. Well, three years after Shaun of the Dead, that's when Zombieland came out, right? Yeah, and Zombieland was huge, yeah, huge as well. But I feel like tonally, I like this movie more. Like yeah. I think yeah. I, I like the characters more. I like the the setting and, and like the overall cheekiness to it. Because like Zombieland turns into an action movie in the third act, and it's right. fine. Like that's yeah. that's more or less what an American audience wants. But like. Sure, there are zombie kills in the movie, but they're more or less played for laughs, and it fits that that same tone that you've had established the entire yeah. time. Zombieland tries a little too hard to be scary, too, and I feel like Shaun of the Dead just knows, like, eh, there's creepy elements, but it's not a horror movie. It's yeah. a comedy. Alden, what says you? What do you think belongs here at number three? I'm going to agree with you with Shaun of the Dead. Damn. Wow. Baby Driver's getting higher than I thought. Sheesh. All right. Well, we're in the top two now, and Baby Driver needs to be placed here. I think is Baby Driver your number one? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's down between Hot Fuzz and Baby Driver, Josh. Which which way are you leaning? Uh, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz was like ranked last when I ranked like the trilogy. Oh wow! Really? <laughs> so I'm really like you got shafted. <laughs> I think Hot Fuzz is the best of the Cornetto trilogy for me. They're all great. They are. I. I can't, it's literally compare, this is a weird comparison, but it's like the Lord of the Rings trilogy. No matter which one you say, I'm gonna respect it, which one everyone's yeah. your favorite. As long as you've seen one of them, I feel like you have a good sense yeah. for the whole the whole tone of the trilogy. <laughs> I just like Hot Fuzz the most, because it, it reminds me of like the, the other movies of the action genre that I like so much. Right. Like, it very much is like making homages and direct references to the characters watching Point Break. And I think that that's very fun. Like, the, the scene where he trips over the fence again and just starts shooting the gun straight up in the... It's hilarious. It, I think it's the funniest in terms of the visual gags. And I, I like, like, the, the mystery of it all. Like, you get caught up in it while you're watching it. You're like, oh, this is... 
This is like over the top and cheesy. Yeah. And I, I love that. I love how they make this like quaint little British town just full of evil ass old people. <laughs> like it, it's it's so fucking funny to me. I, I've watched Hot Fuzz probably the most out of all of these movies, and I, I can't think of a mood where I wouldn't be down to watch it again. I feel like it needs to get elevated over Baby Driver because it's everything what I love about Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright does some tremendous things as a director and Baby Driver, but he just makes great comedies. Like, they're just great. Like, even, like all the funny stuff that's in movies like Baby Driver, Scott Pilgrim, are because of Hot Fuzz and the other two movies. Like, it's just so influential, not only for Edgar Wright, but I think for other comedy movies. I think the Hot Fuzz, The World's End, Shaun of the Dead, especially Shaun of the Dead, I think were very influential, go, like, leaning towards American movie culture when it came to comedies and stuff. And I think that's why... In the late 2000s, early 2010s, we kind of saw a resurgence with that type of comedy with Zombieland and other stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that uh, the reason why I would put Hot Fuzz over Baby Driver 2 is simply the fact that I think it achieves more. Um, maybe not so much in like the soundtrack and like the, the editing per se, but the, the kinetic storytelling of the movie is great. Because yeah. like, he's like, oh, I'm... You know, I guess I, I'm getting relocated from being this action hero cop in the big city to this small town, and it's edited like an action movie as he's getting there. Yeah. And then he's just fucking sitting there on a train, just, like, miserable. And it, it's great. I, I, I like how rude the, tr- the townspeople are to him, and I also like how the movie's more or less a western, too. Yeah. Like, it's very much like a new sheriff rolls into town, and he's here to protect justice. It, it has a lot of really great elements of other movies, but is still very much uniquely its own thing. Yeah. Uh, and its take on, on like, violence, gun violence especially, is so over the top. And it, it's... And we're me, still getting memes about, like, some scenes and stuff. If it's not for... If it's not yeah. Baby Driver, Hot Fuzz is his most American movie. It's, mm-hmm. it's a Western with a fuck ton of guns. It just happens to be set in some quaint British village. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and any final defense for Baby Driver? Why do you think it's better than Hot Fuzz? Um, it's not British. <laughs> that's a good one I'm glad you gave it to me I, I, I don't know I really like uh, the cinematography and the tracking of, of the cars and the stunts and everything mm-hmm. done in, in Baby Driver yeah I really like the early the chase scenes early in the movie kind of similar to Drive I feel like it starts really strong with like that kinetic yeah. movement yeah. and the, the visual comp- uh, like uh, the visual composition when like He's driving down the highway, and there's two other similar-looking red cars, and you see it from the helicopter, and then you see it on the road. It's like it's really meticulously laid out and really strong. It's one of my favorite things about Baby Driver. But yeah, like what you're saying, as the movie goes on, the action scenes get dumber, and I love how in Hot Fuzz, the gore, like the gore, just keeps getting upped the further into the movie it yeah. goes. Like it starts off like just really cartoonish in terms of its its style and its editing but then it just like straight up goes into like buckets of, of blood for like the gore scenes like the guy whose face gets pierced through the gravestone it's like there's so much blood pouring out from underneath it it's uh it's a good watch yeah yeah i think i'm with you yeah all right well there you have it baby driver at number two and hot fuzz at number one my my number six is Last Night in Soho. Uh, number five was Baby Driver. Number four was Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. Number three was Hot Fuzz. Number two was Shaun of the Dead. And number one was The World's End. 
All right. Well, my personal <laughs> list was number six, Last Night in Soho. Number five, The World's End. Number four, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Three, Shaun of the Dead. Two, Baby Driver. And one, Hot Fuzz. My, uh, my number six was The World's End. Then my fifth was Last Night in Soho. Then Shaun of the Dead, Scott Pilgrim, Hot Fuzz, and then Baby Driver. Why do you hate The World's End so much? I don't know. <laughs> Alright, and the group list. The list that we determined. <laughs> the list that broke Josh's heart. The list that ended the show. Number six, Last Night in Soho. Five, The World's End. Four, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Three, Shaun of the Dead. Two, Baby Driver. One, Hot Fuzz. I won. I guessed the list completely. Is, is My it... list was the group list. <laughs> we can't end the show like this. <laughs> this is like Thanos winning at the end. Alright, well... That does it for today's episode of Duel the Takes. Do we want to talk about some of the other movies we've seen recently? Yeah. Uh, the biggest, most anticipated movie of our lifetimes, the Last, last Duel? Soho. <laughs> <laughs> no, The Last Duel came out. Uh, Josh, you're the only one who saw that. You're the only one who saw it. You're the only person in America that saw that. Tell us what The Last Duel's about. It's, uh... <laughs> it's uh, directed by Ridley Scott, not the only Ridley Scott movie coming out in 2021. But, yeah, it's the first movie that Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon wrote since Goodwill Hunting. Like, they wrote together, which is crazy to think about. That was over 20 years ago. And, no, it's based on a true story, though. Uh, the main two stars, I would say, are Jodie Comer and Matt Damon. Uh, Adam Driver is definitely a strong supporting character. But overall, I thought it's a great movie. The movie's kind of broken down into three chapters, and I think the first chapter, with um, it, it kind of focuses on, I guess, minor spoilers. It kind of focuses on Matt Damon's character, which I think he's the weakest performance and the weakest. This is the weakest part of the movie, so I don't think it starts off great. When when I got when we got like twenty minutes in, I was like, oh no. But chapters two and three, I think. Uh, just the stakes just went so high, and you're you're so like you want to know what happens and that duel at the end. I I knew it was based on a true story, but I didn't I didn't know like what actually happened in that duel. So I went in not knowing a lot. So it might be different for somebody that is like a history buff and maybe knows about what happened in this duel. But I found the movie really intriguing. Uh, after that first chapter, I think like it. It's a. It's just a really, I think, strong movie, and I would recommend it. Yeah, I uh, I had all intentions of seeing it, but I, I feel like it just snuck up on me, and mm -hmm. I, I don't know. It what, was a big October. Yeah, it I was. don't know why yeah. this movie was released in October. This this could have been released like literally any other month. Yeah, <laughs> honestly, and uh, it's definitely a huge bomb. The budget was like over a hundred million, I think. Yeah, something like that. Really high. And it opened with like what, fourteen million or something. I think six million. <sighs> that's devastating. Yeah, that's it, not um, good. No, I think that that's a perfect movie to cross release on like Apple TV Plus mm -hmm. or something. Like at this point, I don't know why the movie had a hundred million dollar budget. Like I get it was a period piece, but like I don't know. I feel like the names in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's true. Those actors aren't working, even if they wrote the script and are co-producers, they're not working for under $10 million. It's also anymore. a legendary director. Yeah, of course. It. Yeah, yeah. Ridley Scott's got the House of Gucci coming up soon. I don't care. Yeah. Dune. Dune happened. <laughs> um, 
probably one of the most anticipated movies for me for a long while. I felt yep. like a lot of my year was like waiting to finally get to Dune since we thought it was coming last year. Yeah, but same. Everything that went down, it was like, oh, Dune's around the corner. Dune, Dune will be in October or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, I, it pretty much lived up to my expectations. I think it was what I was expecting from Denis Villeneuve for a, a modern take on Dune in terms of the visual presentation. In yeah. terms of the story, I think it does an, a great accomplishment of, of being a pretty faithful adaptation of the first chap or the first like half of the Dune novel. Um, personally, my biggest critiques are in the soundtrack and the production design. The elements, the world just, just don't feel lived in. It feels like a play. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel like that. There's this. There's a culture on any of these planets, and maybe that's part of the point. But it just. I don't know. I'd expect more of a psychedelic uh, kind of, of tangibility to the editing, into the music especially, and I uh, was hoping for a little bit more of this sense of, of culture, things that people could like relate to or find fascinating and, and breed like a, a bunch of nerds for Dune, you know? Yeah. And I just feel like the way that this is presented is almost sterile. Like, I feel like the people that are going to really like this movie are just people that like... Uh, it's like the characters and I guess like the overall narrative and where it's going. I guess like um, if you're looking for this big bombastic sci-fi Star Wars like movie, that's that's just not what it is. And I wasn't expecting that, but I think a lot of people were. And I think a lot of people that didn't know the story of Doom was also expecting more Zendaya. And the the trailers and the marketing didn't help that either. Definitely not. But the movie made enough of a profit to get a sequel, which I'm really excited for. Like, I thought this one was good. Um, it felt like a really good beginning, but now I'm really excited for the second one because I think it really has potential to be something truly special. All the things that make a great action sci-fi movie come in the second act, yeah. or the second part of this story. Yeah. So I, I just hope people stick around to see the second one and the first movie didn't leave a bad taste, too much of a bad taste in people's mouth who were expecting this yeah. big sci-fi epic. What was your take on it, Alden? Uh, I really liked it. Um, it was definitely... I guess one of my favorite entries into like a space sci-fi uh, film. But I, I think th- I really like how the ships and the uh, lights that they take around them and the buildings, mm-hmm. all of all of that is like designed to, it's nice. Um, I don't know. I think I, I like more of how this movie looks than I do of what's in it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think that's probably just down to it being an introduction to the world. I wish we had more, uh, just speaking of the visuals, and I'm sure we'll get in the next movie, more scenes just in space. Because the look yeah. of the planets, it almost looked like it was painted on, and I thought it looked stunning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like the that like blue planet in like the it's like in the first yeah. thirty minutes. That's or what something. I was thinking. I think of. it's literally when they're, le- they're leaving like Caleron or whatever, and they're heading to Arrakis. I think is mm-hmm. where that you, is. You know, it yeah. reminds me of was the opening shot of A New Hope, where yeah. that planet they have that glow around it that like it feels like something I don't know sci fi ish, and it it feels old and new at the same time. Yeah. So you said there's another movie you want to talk about. Is it Marvel's Eternals? <laughs> Not yet. That's next week, apparently. 
the it does have the lowest uh, Rotten Tomato score of any MCU movie. By the time this comes out, Eternals will see it, and maybe maybe I will love it. Maybe it's the greatest MCU movie of all time, and everybody's wrong. And it's just got a trailer almost I, as I, bad as Avengers. I did see Venom. Let there be carnage. Oh, so <laughs> did I. What? Uh, tell me about Let There Be Carnage because you told me it's this generation's Batman and Robin, and I need to see it. I I did really. I was enticed by the fact that the movie had a runtime of exactly ninety minutes. It is that is the sexiest thing about Venom too. Let There Be Carnage to it, me. It is paced like cocaine. It's yeah. unreal. Okay. Like. It's weird, too, because it has such a short runtime, and it still felt like not a lot happened in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, it felt rushed, but at the same time, I was like, what actually happened in this movie? Was there carnage? Yeah, we got it. I feel like mm-hmm. I was satisfied with the carnage we got. It was stupid and dumb, like I thought it was going to be, but I was like, I guess I knew that going in. What I liked about this one a lot more than the original movie is that the original movie, I don't think, is as self-aware. Andy Serkis knew exactly what he was doing with this movie. He was just like, fuck it, let's just make this a really cheesy, uh, ironic superhero movie. And I think in this day and age where you have movies like Eternals coming out that takes itself so seriously, I think it's refreshing to have a movie like this once in a while. So you're telling me that this is a less earnest Wonder Woman 84 then? Yes. So it, it's not, it, it plays into the... the totally It self-aware. plays into the camp. Yeah. Yeah, Damn, I might like it then. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a it, it, yes, it's, it's like a bad Sam Raimi Spider Man movie. It, it definitely, but it has the entertainment the, value. The problem of where uh, Tom Hardy was taking it too seriously, like in the first one. Yeah, we're two movies in, and I don't know what Tom Hardy's accent is yet. <laughs> we'll find out in the third one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Woody Harrelson, yeah, was a big meme. Um, yeah, I uh, liked it though. That was a fun meme. The the final sequence. Uh, is very like Sam Raimi, bombastic, like stupid fun. Well, how would they do Screech or Siren or whatever her name was? Yeah, that was, a, I guess, a spoiler. I didn't know going in, but they straight up called her a mutant. She's and, on the poster. Yeah, and I was like, huh? Because that opens up a lot of things here when you say that word in a Marvel movie. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'm like, is the X-Men in this universe? Like, it seems like Venom's like the only superhero thing in this universe so far, but maybe not. I don't know. I found a lot of enjoyment from it and I I I think it I think it'd be a good watch with some friends. All right. Well, anyone have anything else you guys want to talk about on the last episode of Duel of the Tapes? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say No Time to Die was pretty good. Oh, yeah, how was that? I didn't see it yet. Um I guess I like didn't have a whole lot of expectation of what it was going to be. Yeah. Uh, but I am satisfied at what it was. Oh, and uh, Halloween Kills. Oh, fucking Halloween <laughs> Kills sucked. Yeah. The movie it, was not good at all. There was the fur like the middle of the movie got so like pretentious. Yes. It yeah. was so laughable. It was literally like the the amount of like heavy handed exposition on like directly talking about the theme. Felt like I was watching The Dark Knight, but this had done nothing to earn it, and there was no, like, actual... They did the Dark Knight ending in the middle of the movie. Yes. <laughs> With, like, the, 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 all this mob crowd wants to kill some random dude in the psych ward because they think he's Michael Myers, even though he's built like me and homeless looking. They're like, that's Michael. He's built like Danny DeVito. Yeah. Like, he's literally, literally Danny DeVito running around. Yeah. <laughs> they bully him to the point of suicide, so it... 
it, it was just not what I was hoping that no. movie to be. I don't think it's what that that series needs. I think they needed. I think they need to lean into the the fun horror schlock yeah. and not take themselves seriously because the first one, the first Halloween uh, twenty eighteen of this new Bloomhouse reboot trilogy, had, was was just the right amount of gory kills and like funny moments yeah. where th- that is. It's the two best things you got going for you in a slasher movie. You want both of those elements. Mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe maybe doubling down on the kills. I do think there's a couple of gory kills, a couple good moments. He, I think it's the highest kill count of any uh, Halloween movie. That I wouldn't surprise me. And I think it's like top five for any slasher movie. That really would mm-hmm. not surprise me. Yeah. Because the end there, he just takes out like the whole town pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. makes me wonder what the hell is this third movie going to yeah, be? Yeah, I have no and idea. Why they killed Judy go. Greer in a montage at the end? Yeah. I, I guess that was just to have a weird, like, a ending, like, oh my god. But it but was, it was like, like in a montage. Yeah. Like, yeah. I feel like they oh. built that character up for the whole movie for nothing, too. No one's ever really gone. That's <laughs> true. Jamie Lee Curtis has come back three times now. I feel like they Star Wars the shit out of this. They Disney Star Wars Halloween. Yeah. No, I've... I've I'm very curious. It's literally the last Jedi situation. I'm curious of how they're going to end it, but the journey yeah. has been really weird. Well, they're doing a time jump, apparently. Oh, really? So Jamie four Lee Curtis years? is going to be even older? Okay, so four years isn't that bad. Because these take place on Halloween of 2018. Mm-hmm. Both movies take place one right after the other. This apparently takes place the Halloween of 2020. So, I guess two years difference? Yeah. I remember watching this movie in theaters and just being like, wow, this movie, the first one feels like it came out like 10 years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Just because of everything that's happened. They have the movie pick up right where it left off in a... From a movie that like came out right before uh, the, the pandemic, yeah, right it felt so weird. Ended. I was like, "What year am I in?" Yeah, <laughs> I had to remind myself, like, "Oh yeah, the father died." Yeah. Okay, uh, what else happened? <laughs> <laughs> Let me recap. I should have watched them. I should have rewatched it before, yeah. and that was kind of the plan because I Grace, who's been on the show so many times, we've been watching the Halloween movies. She thinks they're all dumb except for three. It's the right opinion. <laughs> I think I agree with her. <laughs> I feel like she would have hated this one, but I'll be yes. curious once we get to those, uh, what she thinks. Probably next Halloween, it's already Halloween, so next year, when Grace wants to watch horror movies again. Alright. Well, we'll see you next year when Grace wants to watch horror movies again. <laughs>